1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: The Natural Man Podcast is intended as general information for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice or a diagnosis of any kind or as a substitute for medical treatment. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to replace the advice of or treatment by any physician. Do not rely upon any information to replace consultations or advice received by qualified health professionals regarding your own specific situation. If you suspect that you have a medical problem, you are urged to seek competent medical help. The Natural Man Podcast. Podcast and its representatives and agents disclaim any liability for any negative or other medical or other outcomes that may occur as a result of acting on or not acting on any information contained in the podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the host and all guests are their own, and their appearance on this podcast and at the website of the Natural Man Podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, and does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Natural Man Podcast. This is our, the Natural Man Podcast. Welcome to it. This is another edition of the Natural Man Podcast. My name is Mike C. This is an exploration of holistic health, wellness, and discovering new ways to improve one's vitality. And today we're going to have a very interesting topic that I think impacts most of us. And there's an emerging understanding of this topic and its impacts on our health, and it's all about EMFs. And EMFs stand for electromagnetic radio frequencies. These EMFs are all around us. So if you own a cell phone like most people, you're being exposed to EMFs whenever you use those. If you use wireless internet at home, you're using EMFs as well. And if you live near or around cell phone towers, you're also being exposed to these EMFs and our guest today is on the forefront of research on the effects of EMFs on the human body. He has an extensive engineering background. He's worked as an electrical engineer for the Department of Energy. He also holds certifications as an electromagnetic radiation specialist, building biology, environmental consultant, as well as numerous others. His company is called Test My Home, and they specialize in identifying and evaluating toxic sources In the indoor environment. And in doing this, they use the latest testing equipment that provides the data needed to help assess possible health risks in the indoor environment. Please welcome from Test My Home, Ryan Blazer. Ryan, thanks so much for being here today. I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, just so we we start this from the beginning, so so people can follow along in case they're not familiar with this uh, this whole um, issue. But um, for our listeners, just give me a basic definition of EMFs. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, it's, it's electromagnetic
1: fields or frequencies. It's the energy that has to do with electronics, electricity, and magnetism. So, you know, we think of the Earth has a magnetic field, it's static, it doesn't change. But when it does start to change and go positive, negative, uh, we can use that industrially to send power. We can use it to uh, spin motors. We can use it to send data um, hundreds of miles through the air. And so it can be really helpful communication-wise. Unfortunately, our bodies uh, weren't really developed to handle the EMF. And so it can have unnatural consequences for the body.
0: Right. And, And tell me this. How can we know if our body is sensitive to EMFs? Because I know people that, you know, have their Wi-Fi on all the time and and they seemingly feel fine. They don't seem to feel the impacts of this. And then I know other people who seem sensitive to these things. And when they start to mitigate their exposure, um, they notice differences in how they feel. What are some like like telltale signs that we're um, sensitive to these EMFs?
1: Yeah, you know, it, you bring up a good point. Some people can't tell. And the reason is because how often do we actually get away from the EMF? How often do we actually take our phone and turn it off and put it away from us? How often do we go to the beach, go hiking in the mountains? You know, people that just like outdoors um, and they love being in nature and they love going to the beach, they feel good. These people inherently are, are usually very sensitive, and it's just their body's way of telling them, hey, you know, I like being outside. Go do it more often. And so they become nature lovers uh, just because of that fact. So, you know, one way to really tell is to take a digital detox weekend. Uh, and, and that, that sounds kind of hard, and, but if you can turn off all the electronics in your house, you can turn off your phone. Some I have some clients that even just turn off the power. They'll go out and just turn the main circuit breaker off. And then see how your body responds to it, you know, or, or do a r- really true deep camping trip where you're truly in the mountains and leave your cell phone in the car and see how you feel. See how your body responds. It's going to tell you pretty quick how sensitive you are.
0: Wow. So you mentioned turn off the power, like the, the main breaker in the house. Um, <clears throat> explain that to us. Like, how does that create EMF? If it's hardwired into cables, it's not going through the air. Um, can you explain that? Yeah, so
1: when you have a wire that's energized with power, it's actually creating an electronic field or an electric field that's radiating out, sometimes up to eight feet. And so since we have wires in all the the walls, we have electronics that are plugged in. We have lighting, fans, blenders. All these things are putting off an electric field that's radiating out up to eight feet. Now we can't see it. But it's there. And so the meters we have can measure this stuff. Same thing with the the motors. If you're running the HVAC system or a washing machine, these have these magnetic fields that can radiate out sometimes 8 to 10 feet. And so majority of the time when we're sitting in our homes, in our office, uh, laying in bed, we have an electric source nearby that's going to be
0: affecting the body. So... This sounds like a difficult thing to to mitigate. I mean, we can't be without power. We can't all just move to a cabin in the mountains and and live with lanterns around us. So like, what do we do to to offset the effects of this in today's modern world? So we talk about
1: what's called practical avoidance, and that means that we can we avoid this stuff when it's practical. For example, when I go to bed at night, and go to sleep, I don't need my internet, I don't need my Bluetooth speakers on, I don't need my TV on, so I power those things down. And in fact, in my bedroom, I don't even need electricity. So for our home, we have a a remote switch that I can hit a button and it kills the whole power to the side of our house where the bedrooms are at. So we're sleeping in a zero energy field and a a zero electric field, and all of our electronics are powered down. And it doesn't make any impact on my life at all because I'm not using this technology. And that's at least one third of my life that I'm eliminating the EMF exposure. That's just one simple example.
0: Wow. So, okay, somebody learns the impact of, of EMF and they, they want to take that step. So tell me how Test My Home, your company works. A uh, person looks you guys up, books a consultation to inspect their home. You show up or one of your guys or girls show up. What happens from there? Yeah, so really where we come in
1: is we help, Step one, identify all of the stressors and pollutants and toxins in your home. So that has to do with water quality. That has to do with air. That has to do with mold. That's uh, sound and vibration. That's lighting and chemicals. So all of these, these six categories, we have toxic exposure in our house. So we go through with all of our equipment. It takes a majority of the day. So an average 3,000-square-foot home, we're going to be there about eight hours Uh, going through the attic, going through every single room, under the cabinets. We're going to be looking for all these toxins. Once we identify the toxins, the exposures, then we can come up with a plan to help mitigate them. So let's say we have mold in the kitchen. Then we're going to come up with a plan to get rid of that mold, clean the house. If we have really high EMFs in the office, we're going to come up with a plan of how can we hardwire these devices, how can we shield some of these devices so that we can use these and lower our overall exposure.
0: Okay, you mentioned water. How does that work? What do you do? Do you test the the city water that's coming out of the taps? Yep. Unfortunately, there's not too
1: many tap uh, water locations in this country that have clean, healthy water. And you know, just recently there was a big uh, spill out of uh, a train. I think I don't know Ohio that released a bunch of stuff into the water. This yeah. is going to pollute a bunch of stuff. I don't know if you heard about that, but I did. Yeah. Unfortunately, this stuff is just happening left and right. Too many, too many things across the country. So. If you're drinking tap water, that's not a good idea to be doing that anymore. That that tap water needs to be filtered. There's going to be chemicals. There's going to be VOCs. There's going to be arsenic, lead, a whole range of things in there that's going to accumulate in your body. So super important to eliminate those sources and, and drink clean water.
0: And so how do you eliminate those sources? Just a standard filter you'd buy at a at a store, or what do you suggest?
1: So... You, know, you can go on our website, and we have links to all this stuff, but I would start with the whole home filter, filtering out the majority of the contaminants coming into the house, and that's going to feed into, let's say, the shower and the sinks and the toilet and the kitchen. At the kitchen location where you're actually drinking the water and your ice maker, you're going to want to install an RO system, which is going to filter out the rest of it. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'll just drink clean water. I'm fine. But unfortunately, we absorb just as much water when we're taking a shower or taking a bath, as we do, and sorry, not as much water, we absorb just as many of the chemicals through our skin, we breathe in from the steam, so it's super important to make sure that the home
0: has uh, clean water throughout. Do you guys test for fluoride? We do, yes. All right, now fluoride, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I did a little research on this myself, and fluoride requires a whole other filtration process that at the time that I researched this, and it was some years back, it was extremely pricey and it it was something that had to be, the the filter had to be changed out like every six months or something like that. And it wasn't feasible at the time. What do you guys do about fluoride? Because that doesn't filter through a carbon filter like some of the other contaminants, does it? Right. It requires an RO system to
1: get the fluoride and then just other chemicals as well that we need that extra level of protection with an RO system. Now, RO can be very wasteful with water. For every gallon you get, it wastes two gallons or something crazy like that. And so we reserve that for specifically drinking and cooking, where it's actually physically going in the body. It would be too expensive and not really practical to RO water your whole house.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, let's talk about population density, because I've heard this discussed in the past. Um, popular, population density impacts EMF exposure, does it not? Because if there's more people with cell phones and, and routers and Wi-Fi blaring everywhere, it means we're being more exposed to more potentially harmful signals. So I don't know. I know this isn't feasible for everybody, but is it just healthier for us to live in a more remote and rural area versus densely populated urban areas? You know, it, yes, it is. But surprisingly, I would
1: say 90% of our exposure that we're getting from EMF comes from the devices that are near the body. So we have three different levels or three different sources of EMF. The The first source is going to be all the stuff out there, all the stuff outside of the house. It's the 5G towers, the AMFM radio stations. It's the police scanner, the the radios. All of the stuff outside that's coming in, that's the first level. Now the second level of EMF is gonna come from inside of our house. But it's gonna be like the Wi-Fi, it's gonna be the Bluetooth speakers, the things that are really not close to us, not next to us. And then we have the third level and that's the most dangerous. That's the EMF level that are right near to the body. So the perfect example is our phone. How many people ever have their phone more than three feet away from them? Or the laptop, when they're at work, that laptop is right in front of their face all day long. Or if you have a smartwatch or you know an O Ring or one of these things that is transmitting radio frequency. And those are the things that you need to worry about the most because when it comes to uh, EMF exposure, we have the strength of the source that determines our overall exposure. We have the duration, the time, that we're in the electronic field. And then we have the uh, distance. How far away are we from these things? So. We have our cell phone, for example, where the strength is very high. It's sending all the way to the tower, so it needs to be pretty strong. It's also duration. It's on us 24-7 and proximity. It's close to us. So, you know, a lot of people call me and they're so worried about 5G and what's going on outside. And when we come and test, I say, you know what, let's do an experiment. We're going to turn all of the devices off in your house and let's measure and surprisingly the levels are actually fairly low by the time we get into the house now i say okay let's turn everything on let's turn your laptop your phone let's turn all this stuff on now let's measure and it's usually thousands of times higher so it's the things that wow. are close proximity to us that we really need to focus on first
0: yeah yeah wow um how does emf how do emfs impact sleep i've read different studies that People can experience sleep disturbances from this. Is is there a correlation to that? Yeah, a couple of mechanisms, a couple of studies.
1: So, the higher frequency EMF can get into the range where it's right below the light frequency. Some of these high mag, uh, magnetic waves, the microwave waves, are close enough in the light so that the brain, when the brain senses these, it's almost like there's a light on in the room. It senses that there's high levels of emf that are close to the light range and that can disturb the sleep patterns of the body also when these electromagnetic waves go through the body they can interact with the nerves in our cells the nervous system because just like the wiring inside the house or in your phone our body has wiring it's called our nervous system and that's what sends the electrical impulses to our cells to our stomach to our heart tells it to pump blood and to breathe it's all electrical and so when we overlay these artificial frequencies, it causes a lot of interference with the body. The body can sense that. Okay, something's going on. Something's wrong. That fight or flight mode starts to kick in. Your body's not going to want to get a fully rested sleep when it senses there's all this stuff going on through the body that's not natural.
0: There's a lot of talk out there in the holistic world of, of grounding and earthing. Um, I've read that that can be something that helps mitigate some of the EMFs because when you're properly grounded, um, you could you have the right frequency going through you. The uh, is it is it seven point eight three hertz? Do I have that right? The uh, is it the Schumann resonance, or am I getting that wrong? So you're talking about a couple
1: different things. So let me clarify that. Yeah, so please the do. Schumann resonance means when we send an electromagnetic pulse out into the airwaves. As it goes around the earth and bounces off of the ionosphere, it resonates about 7.8 hertz. That's kind of the resonant frequency of the earth. And so that frequency has been around since day one. And a lot of animals, plants, people are kind of attuned and used to that frequency. It's it's not unnatural. It's very natural. And so our bodies like that. It's kind of the heartbeat of the earth. <laughs> It's a little bit different than grounding. It's also a little bit different than shielding or earthing. Those Earthing, grounding, and shielding are actually three different things. I'll take a minute to explain that. Yeah, please do. Uh, earthing means that we are physically and electrically connected to earth itself. Okay, and so when we do that, the ions and the electrons from our body and from the earth can neutralize, can equalize. And if there's any leftover or built-up energy in the body, it can neutralize and earth to the ground. That's one part of it. Now, grounding is actually something that's separate. That's more of an electrical term. That means that if, if let's say we have a fridge and it's grounded to the electrical system, that means you, you won't be able to get shocked from that. Uh, if there was some sort of a fault, it would go to the ground and it would go to the electrical system and that is now connected to earth. But when we talk about ground, it's more about the electrical system. And that's something that we don't really wanna have interaction with with our body. We don't want to connect ourselves with the electrical system ground because there could be interference on the line, uh, there could be harmonics, and we could add that to the body. Now there's shielding. And shielding, uh, you know, I used to do pro audio, uh, recording studios, broadcast studios, and, and everything that needed to be shielded because all of the different devices would be putting off electromagnetic energy. And let's say the microphones and the cameras could pick that energy up. So we would need to shield that. Now to shield electronics, you need to shield the energy back to the source. So let's say it was a speaker. You would want to sh- or an amplifier. You wouldn't want to shield the energy in the wires back to the system uh, source. Now, let's what does that all mean? What that means is if I'm sitting at my desk and I ground myself to the electrical system, now what I've just essentially done is made myself part of the circuit. Now, if I put my hands on my laptop, which is plugged in, which has an electronic field that's not shielded, now that electrical energy is going to jump through my body, going to go to the grounding mat through the pad, and now I'm going to induce current in my body and become part of the circuit, essentially like a grounding rod, like a lightning rod. Right, yeah. So you don't want to ground yourself if you're in a home. You don't want to ground yourself to the electrical system. You don't want to ground yourself when you're in the presence of an unnatural electric field. Now. A lot of these companies—they sell these grounding mats, and you put them on your feet. That's not a good idea to do when you're in your office. You truly, to truly earth, which is the therapeutic part, you go outside, go to the beach, go stand on the grass. That's how you truly earth. But the grounding part of it—you don't want to mix your body up with the grounding system of your electrical.
0: Wow, that—that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, and that—that's a—that's an important distinction. I'm glad you clarified that, Ryan, because. Um, those grounding mats are pretty popular, and a lot of people buy those. And I think what you outline there is a, is a very, not very well known fact, and people need to take note of that if they're if they're touching themselves to the electrical system in the house, it's problematic.
1: Yep, it's it's kind of like a bird on the wire. So a bird landing on the power line doesn't get electrocuted, but if mm-hmm. that bird was to be connected to ground or earthed or grounded then it would shock it. It would electrocute him. Yeah. Same thing with our body. We don't want to be grounded when we're touching electronics.
0: Wow. That's, that's great to know. Now, you mentioned earthing, putting our feet on the grass. Now, I, I had an EMF guy come out here years ago. It wasn't you because I didn't know you yet. It would have been you if I'd known you, <laughs> if I'd known you back then because um, you're, you're on top of all this stuff. But he measured something outside in my backyard that said I had ground current. And so there was some irregular current because I live in a more urban area um, that he didn't recommend grounding. And he had a meter with him. I don't know what it was called. It was some electromagnetic meter of some kind. And he showed me a lot of interference on on the frequency ranges, like on the waveform. And he told me it's not good to earth on this piece of land. And he said that um there's return current, I guess, from the utility company, or they use they use the ground to to move current around when they're powering homes and, and substations. I don't understand all this stuff too too well, so I'm probably explaining it very subpar here. But does that make any sense? Can can grounding or earthing be problematic in certain areas?
1: Yeah, you no, know, you explained that very well. And I you know, that's would be the next level of discussion. Kind of one of those nuances to that. I didn't want to confuse people too much with my first talk, but yeah, that would be. Yeah, count on me to confuse people. (laughs) No, you know, but I'm glad you brought that up because that actually is a situation where you wouldn't want to Earth, unfortunately, you know, because the power company does send its return current. It uses Earth as its return conductor. So let's say you're close, and so the closer you are to the substation, Uh, where the power is being generated, the higher that current is. So if you're way out in the country at the end of the line, your ground current is going to be very, very low. If you're really close to the substation, where we got 100 homes, the current is all returning back to the substation, the ground current is going to be very high. And so if we ground ourselves onto the earth where there's a lot of ground current, it's going to be problematic cuz so i know people are probably listening like okay well, what the heck do i do then yeah <laughs> you know and yeah. it is tough to truly get the earthing benefits unless you're more out in the country more out in nature you're out on the beach um you know if you're not in one of these areas i wouldn't even really think about earthing cuz you could make things
0: worse is there any quick way to determine that i mean that's where you got to bring in a pro to measure that right there's no way there's not like a little volt meter somebody can touch to their grass and see if something's off?
1: Right. You need some pretty sophisticated equipment to do it. That's something you'd probably need to call in a professional, have okay. that tested. Yeah, and, and,
0: if, and if you go out to a state park or somewhere where there's not a substation nearby or you're somewhere more removed, is it safer to put your feet on the ground there if you're in a park that has no power lines nearby or or do you still have to be cautious in those situations? Correct.
1: The more rural you are, the more further away you are from substation. The more further you are away from power station. You know, if you see one of those big high voltage power lines, you know the big ones, and it's going. That's probably the worst place to be ground anywhere near one of those things. Yeah. So yeah, the further away from this energy you can be, the better.
0: Yeah. You and I were talking um, uh, um, off off mic uh, a, a different time. I think we were on the phone and, and we were talking about how. Um, going back to the cell phone thing here, how I pop my phone into airplane mode whenever it's in my pocket, and I, I drive some people in my life crazy when they're trying to get a hold of me if I'm in a store or something, um, where my phone will be will be off. Do you recommend that people don't have um, a live phone sitting in their pocket for some of the reasons we're discussing here?
1: 100%. So proximity, you got um, your phone right in your pocket, right next to your Vital organs, right down there, probably not a good idea, <laughs> especially you know, as a man, you know, testosterone levels are the lowest they've been in years across the board, and the, there's some interesting studies coming out that are relating that back to EMF exposure. Same thing with breast cancer with women, putting the phone in the bra or holding it close to their body with the purse on. Uh, I don't think they're as much of a coincidence as people think when we start to see these specific types of, of problems in the general public. And so I think it's really important to keep a distance. If you are going to put it in your pocket, airplane mode. If you're driving in the car, put it up on the dash. If you're sitting at your desk, um, arm's length away as much as possible.
0: Okay. Now, another EMF uh, specialist I spoke to some time ago was telling me about the different paints you can use to coat your house, to shield your home. Um, Are those actually a thing? Because some people say those are scams and paints don't work. If you're surrounded by Wi-Fi, if you're in a residential area close to your neighbors, likely everybody has their Wi-Fi on day and night. That's just the way of the world these days. Do these paints help to offset some of that?
1: If if painting is done properly, grounded properly, and applied properly, then it can be very effective. The only caveat to that is now you've just turned that room into a Faraday cage, or like a microwave, And so you cannot bring any electronics into that room anymore. Because for one, if you bring your cell phone into a room that's shielded, um, the cell phone varies its power output depending on how far away it is from the tower. So if you bring it into a shielded room, it's going to think it's way out in the boonies and it's going to boost up to max power to try to get its signal out of the room. But not only that, that signal is going to sit there and bounce around on the walls until it dies down, essentially microwaving yourself. So yeah, you can... You can paint, you can shield as long as you're willing to not use electronics in that room anymore.
0: Wow. So shielding the outside of your house is is not a good idea.
1: It is if you're willing to give up EMF inside your home. So that's the first thing you got to do. That means you got to go landline, can't use your cell phone anymore. That means you got to hardwire all your electronics. So what typically with what clients do is we'll pick specific areas of the home uh, for specific reasons, so we'll say, okay, the office, the media room. This is going to be the technology room. This is where you're going to have the TVs, the laptops, the gaming stations, the bedrooms, the nursery, maybe a library. These are going to be EMF-free zones. They're going to be off limits for EMF, and we're going to shield these areas. Okay, specifically the bedroom, because again, we're all, we're there one third of our life. We're not really using the electronics in yeah. there, so why why should we have electronics in there? If the purpose of the bedroom is for sleeping and healing and resting. And so, you know, bedrooms are real common to shield, but phones stay out of the bedroom. TVs stay out of the bedroom.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, the live wires in the walls and how those can can emit like a signal as well, anything that's powered. So... Yes, we can get rid of those devices, but what about those permanent wires that are always there? Do those ever interact with the paints? Is that something you have to consider when you're shielding a room as well? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, and there's a little nuance with that too. With if if the shielding is done right and grounded, it will block a lot of those wires. Because remember, now the wires are going to be on the on the inside of the wall, and the paint's going to be on the inside surface. So the the anything that's outside of that, this veil that we're painting, this shield, is gonna bounce the signal away. So if we have the wiring in the walls and we're painting on the surface, the wiring is behind the wall, behind the paint. It's gonna reflect away. Now, if we go plug a lamp in and bring that energy into the the room, now it's gonna create a problem. So just like no cell phone, no uh, Wi-Fi, no TV, we also need to be really careful about what we're plugging into the room. But to take it one step further, usually people that are going this far down the rabbit hole are already turning their circuits off at night that's usually one of the first things that people do highest impact is installing a kill switch into the bedroom areas to turn the power off at night when they're not in when they're when they're in there sleeping
0: okay and we're seeing more and more of this solar panels are everywhere particularly in the southern states um, um, here in the US do solar panels present? Any concern because they are power sources that are sitting on our homes or nearby?
1: So it's not the solar panels themselves that are the problem. It's the inverter box that converts it from the 12 or 24 volt DC into the AC power line that comes into our house. That converter box has big transformers and uh, capacitors that are producing a pretty high magnetic field that can pulse out about up to 8 feet. At home recently, we were doing some testing on where the nursery, they had solar panels. They were worried about the panels themselves, but what we found out and what I showed them was that box that's sitting on the other side of the wall was right on the opposite wall where the crib was. So her son, sleeping in the crib, was about two feet from that main power box. Now, that main power box was radiating out harmful energy about eight to nine feet. Mm -hmm. So we had to take the crib and move it to the other side of the room to get it away from that high energy level. So you need to be conscious of where that uh, converter box is at, but also it does create some dirty electricity, some harmonics on the line that can radiate out into the, the house as well and be another form of harmful EMF.
0: So is is eight to nine feet kind of the standard as far as any kind of electrical source that might be in a home? If you're If you're clear of that distance, are you generally okay or is there like, like I thought maybe the inverter box from a, a solar panel, I don't understand elec- electricity like you do, so uh, feel free to correct me, but I figured the inverter box, because it's picking up so much power, enough power to power a home, um, you'd need more distance. If you have that inverter box out in your garage and your master bedroom's on the other side of the house, Are is that an ideal situation? Yeah, no, and
1: you're catching on good, because I've, I've mentioned that eight foot now several times, and that is kind of the... The sweet spot that I like to tell my clients: if we can maintain that distance, eight foot from any of these major appliances, eight foot is the distance where the electric field dies off completely. You know, eight foot rule of thumb: keep electronics away from the sleeping area. Uh, now, of course, it's not always exactly eight foot, but sometimes it can be two foot, three foot, five foot. But without you know hiring someone like me to come out and test, or buying the equipment and testing yourself. Let's just throw out a a safe, better safe than sorry number and say if you can stay eight feet away from these things, you're generally gonna be pretty fine. Now there are some times where it's maybe a little more, I've encountered really big, maybe like a big pool pump that radiated 10 feet maybe, or a really big home where it has a couple 400 amp services and the main power in maybe radiating up to 12 feet. but as a general rule of thumb, if you can stay eight foot away from these electronics, uh, you're going to be pretty safe. I can't hear you. I think you're muted. I Sorry. Can, you're he, mute. can you hear me
0: now? I can hear you all now. Right. Yeah, that was, that was me. I only do this for a living. Sorry about that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say. Good thing for editing. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Thanks for that catch. Um, all right. So. I'm seeing more and more homes that are being built closer and closer to cell phone towers uh, here in the city where I live. And when I travel, I see the same thing. I know there's some countries in Europe that have stricter regulations as far as how far homes are allowed to be near these these towers. These are major power sources. And, you know, what What do you think is a safe distance from those towers? If somebody just doesn't have the the money or the means to, to shield their home and, and EMF-proof it the way uh, some of your clients are doing. Um, what should people in those homes or apartments do? Move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, wow. you know, in all, in all seriousness, if I don't like to be much more than a, a quarter mile close to these, these towers. Uh, and also the high-voltage power lines. I mean, the, the big ones, not your neighborhood ones. If you can stay a football field away from those, if you can just think about those discs i mean it's fine to drive through go visit a friend there but don't live there long term you're yeah. you're just asking for cancer you're asking for long-term chronic illness that you just don't want to deal with it's not yeah. worth it and i know it's like well, i can't move it's expensive well you know what cancer is expensive yeah chronic illness is expensive when you can't go to work or be with your kids that's expensive you kind of put a price on that so I really don't like to see people living in these areas. There's too many studies out now. Th- these cancer clusters around the cell towers and around these high voltage power lines. It's too. There's, there's too much evidence out. It's just not worth it.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a frightening uh, statistic, man. I I I, I agree. Um, and it just you know, I got to tell you, like I, I like speaking to you about this stuff because um, it feels like the world's against us in some ways because we're just seeing this introduction now of the smart homes everywhere where everything's connected to a wi-fi network uh you know kitchen appliances i recently bought a fridge and i couldn't find one that didn't have wi-fi um same with the garage door opener you know alarms thermostats stoves um i've i've created issues with um you know, with different Airbnb uh, places where I wanted to turn off some of those uh, wireless thermostats, and they're like, "What are you doing? Why are you turning that off?" And uh, it's just tough. It's like unless you just go pitch a tent somewhere in the middle of nowhere, you're going to be exposed to this stuff on some level. Um, you know, what do we do? We're, are are guys like you and I going to become dinosaurs when when all this stuff happens? Is there a point of no return? Like, like these smart homes are going to be the standard, and I mean, people who think the way we think are going to push back on that. Do you? D- does that make sense? I think uh,
1: people like you and me are not going to be the dinosaurs. We're going to be the heroes. We're going to be the ones that are teaching people, that are guiding people, that are showing them how they can reclaim their health. Because there is two very strong groups that are going in opposite directions at full speed. You have people like me and you, and there's a huge community, huge community of people that are very sick from EMF, from yeah. mold, from these toxic exposures that want relief, that want to live a clean, natural, healthy lifestyle. We may be the minority at this point, but it's only because people aren't educated about it. If the if the masses were educated about what we know, mm-hmm. then we would be the majority. And now we have this other group of people these billionaires and trillionaire industries that are making a shiz ton of money off of us mm-hmm. at the expense of our health and they're they have a lot of money back in them and they have a lot of marketing they and they at this point are somewhat tricking or uneducating the masses yeah. so that they can make a lot of money off them and so we have these two groups that they're both growing exponentially mm-hmm. in knowledge and in power and so it'll be interesting to see where it ends up, you know, in 10, 20 years from now. Because two, they say now one out of every two people born now is going to develop cancer. Those are the rates that we have now. Now, yeah. 100 years ago, that was unheard of. That wasn't even really a thing. And so we've got to ask ourselves, why is that? You know, the toxic world we live in, the high EMFs, the chemical, the stress, it's a combination of all these things. And so the people like me and you that are teaching and educating and, and waking people up and the people that are listening are going to be able to benefit from this stuff. And everybody else, unfortunately, you know, there's, you know, the sheep or whatever
0: you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, man, I know you're not a doctor, but do you know of any like labs or somebody, anything someone can check with their functional medicine doc to see how EMF um, is impacting them? Are there any telltale signs that you know of just because people are exposed to this so much? Do you know of anything like that? There's some hair hair scan
1: analysis that you can do, and there's several people, in, you know, in different communities that I know of that do hair scan analysis, and you can probably Google it and find them. But it checks for oxidative stress <laughs> in the body, and it shows up in the hair, and it can tell you how oxidative stressed your body is. Um, but unfortunately, there's not a it's not like we're exposed to lead, and so I go take a a test for heavy metals, and it shows up I have high high lead. EMF is something that doesn't necessarily – it doesn't accumulate in the body. It's like we go out in the sun, we're getting exposed to the sun, but then when, once we go in the shade, we're not exposed anymore. The sun doesn't stick with us. The sunburn does. The effect does. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to measure um, EMF exposure.
0: And and as this stuff continues and, you know, vast amounts of the population are exposed, do you think, do you think that disease metrics in the future are going to change? You mentioned cancer. There's one in two now. Um, you know, these these numbers just keep going up. People just continue to get sick, even with all the knowledge we have and, and, you know, the nutrition and food available and the understanding of proper diet and eating. Not everybody follows it, but, you know, the majority of people understand it. Do you think disease metrics are going to change in the future just based on the environments we've created for ourselves? It will, and,
1: you know, there was an interesting article I was reading how they were saying to be fit and in shape is almost a luxury these days more people are millionaires that have than that have six packs so there's less mm-hmm. people with six packs than there are millionaires and they're saying it's just because the the quality of food the quality of life the exercise the ability to be healthy these days is becoming more and more not necessarily unattainable but it's it's more difficult for people but the interesting thing is a lot of these things you can do and they don't cost a lot of money but you have to have the knowledge and that's what that's where people are lacking that's what that's what's lacking in society is the knowledge for this stuff yeah you know yeah. i think once people get the knowledge and they and then they can apply the knowledge and be disciplined then they're going to put themselves in a different category but it's a personal choice it's a personal yeah. choice that we all have
0: it's like radon you don't see it you don't necessarily feel it you know, it might be doing things to you, but, um, you know, it can be – I don't want to call it a silent killer, but, yeah.
1: It is. It's yeah. And it's sad. I I have a couple sad stories with clients in Radon. One, um, yeah, we went in and measured the home, super high radons, and then he developed – lung cancer and we tried everything we could to get him through it you know unfortunately passed away last year but one of my first clients i remember oh. and it's the stories like that that stick with me it's second leading cause of lung cancer and people just have no idea and stuff like that you just have to test for but you're going to wake up one day he never smoked a cigarette in his life woke yeah. up one day with lung cancer yeah left left two kids behind ridiculous wow, wow. yeah and that's it's totally avoidable
0: yeah yeah Yeah. And, and, you know, what's weird with, with radon is I've talked to different people that, that have radon um, uh, mitigation companies and, you know, realtors, they, they hate this topic. They don't want to address it. They don't want to talk about it because it, you know, can interfere with the sale of the home. But um, don't you want to know if there could be radon there and if you can, you can mitigate it? I mean, I don't know. Seems like a no brainer to me, but it's just, people just want to sweep it under the
1: rug. Yeah, and it's funny with realtors. I thought when I first started this business that they would be one of my biggest clients. I'm like, oh man, these guys are gonna love me. I'm gonna go in and test these homes. I they don't want to touch me with a ten foot pole because yep. they call me the deal killer. I have a brother in law that's a realtor, and I'm like, why don't why don't you refer me more jobs? Why don't you send me work? because like, you get, you come in and you find all these problems and that people don't want to buy the home anymore? Yeah, you know they call you the deal killer around town. So. Yeah. You know, it's sad, but that's true. But this is where you should be spending the most time inspecting your home is for these health reasons. You should be looking for mold. You should be looking what's the water quality like? What's the ventilation like? Do what, is there radon? Is there toxic chemicals? Did, did it used to be a meth lab? Because so many people move into these homes unknowingly, then they get super sick. Sometimes yeah. people die from this stuff. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all avoidable.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Ryan, um it's been a lot of fun. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to discuss this uh, very important topic with us. And uh, you know, you touched radon. We didn't even go there. Um, would you come back for another episode and just talk about radon? Because that that would be interesting, uh, just topic on its own. What do you think, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, we could talk mold. We could talk chemicals. We can talk gases. We could talk lighting. We could talk. All the different things, but you know, it's all important. I think as long as this brings awareness to people to get curious and start asking questions and say, Wow, is there another metric in my life that I can use to improve the quality of my life? And the answer is yes, and it's your environment, it's where we spend 92% of our lives indoors, has probably the biggest impact. I was listening to this talk, um, Dr. Professor Joseph Allen, he did at the White House. He said that. The people that have control over the health of the building. Now he was talking commercial, mm-hmm. like you know schools and and um, you know courthouses and things. But he said the people that have control over the health of the building have more impact on your personal health than your doctor does. And that was wow. pretty profound. That was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just a it's constant exposure, right? Like you're just there eight hours a day, and um, you know you're, yeah. you're spending a third of your life in that space. So obviously it's going to impact you. Um, Hey man, listen, thanks for doing this important, important work. And, uh, I just appreciate you getting the word out, coming on here and letting people, letting people know, because this is just a a little known fact. People just don't know about it. And, and increasing awareness is, I think, a duty of myself and yourself, just because we're, we're in the loop on this stuff when a lot of people aren't. Um, how can, before we, uh, before we wrap up, how can people find you? Uh, you know, our Instagram, we're always trying to post really helpful
1: content on there. That's at Test uh, My website, testmyhome.com. Uh, we have uh, we do virtual consults with Zoom calls, which can be very effective. We walk through your home Zoom call. We have in-person assessments where we can fly out to your house and do the full walkthrough white glove service for you. Or we have a remote home testing program where we can send you the testing uh, kit yourself. You can oh, watch wow. some instructional videos and go through the whole course and jump on zoom call with me or one of my coaches. And, uh, you know, bottom line is let's identify the toxins in your home and give you a good solid plan to fix them. So you could enjoy a higher quality of life and everybody you think, Oh, my home's not making me sick. I can get into it. I haven't tested one home where there wasn't something we, we didn't improve wow make the occupants better
0: awesome well hey man thanks for uh, thanks for impacting the world in such a positive way and thanks again thanks again for being here Ryan yeah you bet thanks for having me Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the natural man podcast Uh, check us out online on our website at naturalmanpodcast.com and some of our other episodes and until next time my name is Mike C stay healthy (laughs) stay healthy